Um, last time I was with you, it's very interesting. Um, Dallas actually found um, a soul, a lost soul, out in the parking lot. How many remember that? It was literally the, the soul of a shoe. And he said, Pastor Monty, it's crazy. You're here, and I found a lost soul, and he gave me this lost soul. And uh, today, today I'm walking in. Any mechanics in the house? Let me see your hands. I'm going to give something. I'm going to give a screwdriver away to a mechanic. No mechanics? You guys are all like me? Come on. Somebody who at least knows, who knows how to change oil in the car. Let me see you. Okay. All right. I'm going to give a screwdriver. I found a screwdriver in the church parking lot walking in. Um, it's it's kind of cool. I'm, it looks here. It, it says uh, it is uh, a screwdriver. 14% alcohol, uh, but I, I found a screwdriver, so I just put it up here, and um, you know what's so cool to me? You know what is so cool to me? Listen closely. To be a part of a church that people who need Jesus the most, they're partying in our parking lots. Um, and um, a lot of churches, they'll, they'll chain up a parking lot, and they'll put the sign, no loitering. And what you need to understand that 38 years ago, those beer cans, and uh, you can probably fill in a whole bunch of other stuff, they were mine, that I used to party hardy in a church parking lot late Saturday nights. So this is why we exist to love people to life, because God has loved my, me to life, God has loved us to life. Aren't you grateful for that? Can you put your hands together and just say, thank you, Lord. So I, I want to just set this up. If you would, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. While you're turning there, I, I really felt led to take the month of July and to preach on all of our campuses, nine Sunday morning services um, over the month of July, because I, I want to have a senior pastor moment, and I want to speak into all of our lives, and I want to remind us of the importance of our why, the importance of our why. And let me set this up. Our what and our how changes, but our why must never change. Methods change, but the message must never change. And as long as there is air in my lungs and a beat in my heart, I want to keep before us, our message is simply this. There was a virgin birth. There was a sinless life. There was a false accusation. There was a crucifixion. There was a death. There was a burial. And three days later, glory to God, there was a resurrection. Our God is alive, and there's nothing He cannot do. Can you shout a great big amen? So our what and our how can change, but our why must never, ever change. So, senior pastor moment. People that focus on the what and the how, which must change, a lot of times they can get lost in the change unless they embrace the why. So I want to talk to you about the importance of our why. The Bible says, I have two points, Knowing our why is important because God loves people. And I, I, I thought of this earlier. You know, when I, I travel and preach on our campuses, our campus pastors get a day off. And I'm thinking, dear Lord, I never get a day off. So I'm going to take a couple of days off maybe here in a couple of weeks. But I'm looking at Pastor. Would you just stand up just one more time, Pastor Eric, and give us the side view. I, I used to look like that. Dude, I used to have like a six-pack. I think I... Then I graduated to a 12-pack. How many know what I'm talking about? Now I think I'm rocking a keg. Amen. But, oh, I used to look like you. 
How many say it's getting weird? We better get in the Bible. Listen to what the Bible says. We're in, we're in Matthew chapter 16. We'll begin reading in verse 13. Under the point, knowing our why is important because God loves people. God loves people. I want to keep that before us. God loves people. The Bible said when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I the Son of Man am? Who do men say that I the Son of Man am? And then just a couple more verses. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, he gets very, very personal. He gets all up in their face, all up in their grill, if you will. But who do you say that I am? There's a couple of nuggets here. Number one, leadership nugget. It was important to the Lord 2,000 years ago to know what's being said out in the villages, out in the highways, out in the hedges, out in the byways. What's being said? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? The leadership principle is this. I want to be a part of a church. I want to be a member of a church where when I'm at uh, Starbucks, Dutch Bros, come on, I'll go both uh, um, I, 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 I'm at Brick 29. I, I'm at Applebee's. I'm at, can somebody just say amen to Cracker Barrel? I want to make, who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? I want to make sure that my words are not tearing down a pastor, not tearing down a church, but they're building up a pastor. Oh, you ought to, that Pastor Eric, he's got like, still got a six-pack. That Rochelle, she can preach pain off the back. Well, I, we're not a perfect church because of our senior pastor and the people who worship there. How many recognize there is no perfect church? If you find it, don't go there. You'll mess it up. God uses imperfect people. Why? Because that's all he's got. But I want to make sure that not just in public, but in private, my words are building up, not tearing down. Somebody just, can we just say amen? amen. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, secondly, Jesus gets very, very personal. But then I believe he pointed at his disciples, and he said, but who do you say that I am? You see, it's not enough for the Lord to be the, the, the Messiah and the Savior of my Nana. God wants to be my Savior. It's been said that God has no grandchildren, just children. So who is Jesus to you? Do you know that your answer to that question, I want to talk to you about two questions today. Number one, who is Jesus to you? Because your answer to that question will determine where you spend eternity. It truly will. Our lives, do you, do you believe this? Our lives are a product of our choices. I am not the product of the environment that I was raised in. I was neglected. I was abused. I was beaten up my young adult life. I, I, was I mean, I had a horrible upbringing. But listen, I am not the product of the environment that I, ra I was raised in. I am the product of my choices. And 38 years ago, I chose the Lord, and He set me free, and He healed every arena of my life. I'm not saying there's still some edges He's working on. How many are grateful that the Lord is not done with us yet? But our lives are a product of our choices. So who's Jesus to you, number one? It's very interesting. Several weeks ago, I, I was putting this message together. I preached it on our Oroville campus, main campus last Sunday, Caldwell today. I'm going to be preaching it three times next Sunday in the Espanol Latino services. I can't wait. Um, but but listen, listen, listen closely. Who, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Um, I recently read about Three mega church pastors, mega, mega church pastors who are preaching that, that hell is no longer a literal place. How many recognize if somebody is preaching something that's not in the Bible, it is not truth. I don't care who it is. And your 
answer to that question, who is Jesus to you, will determine where you spend eternity. Let me tell you, there's only two choices. I know some believe there's three. This place called purgatory. The only issue I have with purgatory is it's not found in the Scripture. So, the two places, where are they? Well, the lake of fire, which burns forever and ever and ever, or heaven. And I don't know about you, there is a real hell. And I believe that we need preachers filled with compassion that still preach, hell is hot, heaven is real, Jesus is real, there is a heaven, there is a hell to shun. God would rather die than live without you. We need to preach the truth of God's Word with compassion. If you're with me, can you scream a great big amen? We exist to love people to life. Now that you know a little bit about my upbringing, I was 18 years old, and my father was on top of me beating me up. And he looked me in the face, and he said, Son, I, I want to let you know. Or excuse me, he said, Monty, I want to let you know something. You're not even my son. That's when I found out I was adopted. So from 18 to 21, Man, my life was just a waste. I masked my pain and all kinds of horrible, horrible stuff. And then I met an almighty God who would never hurt me. That's why it doesn't matter what you did last night, last week. You might be pounded on. You might be abandoned. You might be elected. Just come to Christ. He will change your life and he will adopt you. Listen, he will adopt you into the family of God. Can you say a good amen? So listen, you, you, you might... You might disagree with my head, but not my heart. You see, our what and our how changes, but our why must never change because our why is a person and his name is Jesus. On the count of three, can we just scream Jesus? One, two, three. Jesus, that's our why. Listen, God's why is always tied to leading people out of sin and into new life. God's why is always tied to leading people out of darkness into His marvelous light. God's why is always tied to leading people out of spiritual death and into spiritual life. Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. If we can just get them to the feet of the Lord, can you say amen? I want to let somebody know here tonight, today, excuse me, you, I'm not going to preach till tonight unless it really anointed. Um, uh, how many say there's nobody that anointed is? You're not going to hurt my feelings. Listen, you are not what you're going through. That mess, God's going to turn it into a message. That trial is going to be a triumph in God. Yesterday's pain for some, today's pain is going to be tomorrow's platform. Because there are people out there that are messed up like you used to be messed up. And you got the answer. And his name is Jesus. I'm tired of people just trying harder. It's not about trying harder. It's not about being better. It's about surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Life is not fair. We still get hurt. There are things we don't understand. I'm just trying to tell you, we serve a God too wise to do bad. And you are not what you are going through. I, I've had numerous times in my walk with God that, and even this might surprise you in senior pastoring, where, where I've just walked through some, some dark valleys. Anybody in the house, you ever walked through a dark valley? I mean, if people are looking at, I, 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 well, there must be sin in your life. 
Well, you know, you get a little bit closer, there's going to be sin in my life because I'm going to punch you right in the throat. I'm, I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Sometime it's not sin in your life. Sometime God is just getting some stuff that is in you that he wants out of you, that, that he is, he is, he is uh, l- lowering your capacity so that there is more of a God capacity so that you truly know how to love. You truly know how to walk, someone who's go- walk with someone who's going through hell. Life is not fair. But God is good, and He is for you, and He is more than able to turn that situation around. What you are going through, you're not going to stay in because I don't want to just, I don't want things to happen to me. I want things to happen so that I grow through them because my, my, my scars speak volumes. Your, your scars speak volumes. And I, I know that there are some of you that the, the blood, if you will, is just raging. Um, the pain, the hurt, and I want to, it, it breaks my heart. You need to understand what touches your life, what touches your heart, touches his heart and his life. The Bible said it's recently preached a memorial service. We've had like four or five people go home to be with the Lord from our church in just the last week and a half. It's just been gut-wrenching for Kelly and I. But I, I shared in the last memorial service I preached that the Lord is not far off. He is so close. Listen close. The Bible said that he catches all of our tears in a bottle. Aren't you grateful? It's called the whisper of God. Sometimes he thunders, but most of the time in my life, he whispers. Why does he whisper? Because he's close. He is close to you. I want to look you in the face, sweetheart. He is close to you. He sees what you're going through. He was there. What touches your heart touches his heart. Worship him. What I have learned is to worship God in the pain. And and when I worship God in the pain, it literally is a key that unlocks the prison that I have found myself in periodically. Listen, you are not what you are going through. Let me tell you what happened last Sunday. Last Sunday, have you ever had a memory that you'll never forget? I I pray that most of them are, are better memories than bad. Um, Last Sunday is a, a Sunday I'll never forget as long as I live. Um, last Sunday in all of our campuses, we baptized 54 people in water. 54 people in water. Uh, you, you wonder how I'm so buffed and so muscular. I don't go to the gym. I just baptize a lot. of. I don't know. I don't know. But listen to this. We baptize like, uh, I know if you're going to tweet something, you're probably going to tweet that. Go ahead. Um, Pastor Monty blames his muscles on baptizing people. I, I don't know. Um, by the way, Pastor Eric here baptized 17 people from Caldwell in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, two years ago, 32% of our Assemblies of God churches reported zero conversions. And in one Sunday, we baptized 54 people. But let me tell you about just one. Just one. I want to look around see if see if he's here. You're going to meet him one of these days. His name's Antonio. And what you need to know is I was out there baptizing a whole bunch of people. The main campus, we were the last one to baptize. We let all of our good campuses first and then, you know. So, so I, I just baptized a whole bunch of people. What you need, I'm freezing. I'm freezing. That water is cold. I, I'm on the shore. I'm freezing. And I forgot a towel, so I'm using a wet towel drying off. And I get my shoes on. And I see this guy in his mid-20s, maybe early 20s. I see him literally pushing people to the side, running to me. And I don't recognize him. He's got a really cool-looking beard. 
And he, said, he got right to my face. I'm shivering, freezing to death. And he said, I am not a Christian. I need you to baptize me now. And I thought, well, wait a second. Uh, I explained what water baptism is. It's an outward sign of what God has done in your heart. If you're not a Christian, you'll just come up looking like a raisin, just kind of shriveled up, you know. So I shared the love of Jesus with him. Do you know Antonio accepted Christ on the spot? Accepted the Lord on the spot. And then we walked, took my shoes off, and we took the walk back out in that freezing water. He was distressed, distraught, challenged. I'm not a Christian, but you must baptize me in water. As I baptized him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, when he came up out of the water, we embraced. Now, what you need to know about me, I, I, I'm, I'm a hugger, but I'm a, I'm a side hugger guy. How many, how many know I'm talking about the side hug? And about maybe one to two seconds, we're good. We're good. I'm not a front hugger with the exception of my wife. Um, but I baptized. He came up, and I, I, I'm the Lord being here. His entire countenance changed. And we embraced. It was a front hug. I mean, it was a hug. And it seemed like an hour and 15 minutes to me. But it was probably, it was probably a minute. Probably a minute. But here's why the embrace lasted so long. He broke down and cried and wept as the washing blood of the Lord cleansed him. As he come up out of that water, a new creation in Jesus' name. I'm just trying to tell you, our why is Jesus, and he loves people. Can you shout a great big amen? By the way, he told me he lives somewhere here in Caldwell, you're going to love him to life, won't you? When he comes, you're just going to love him. About 22 years old, a beard about this long, kind of like one of the ladies here in the first service. But just love on him. Love on him. Did I say that? Would you turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28? It's getting funky. Num- point number two. So number one is, a, is, is God's why is, is because he loves people, and it's tied to the most important question you'll ever be asked, who's Jesus to you? I want to talk to you about a second question in just a moment. But point number two is knowing God's why is important because it includes you. It includes you. God's why includes you. Listen to what the Bible said. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. Now, wait a second. 11? I thought there was 12. Oh, yeah. Judas. Great things happen after betrayal. Don't get messed up in a betrayal. Great things happen. After betrayal, the great, you know, the, the com- communion, after the night that Jesus was betrayed, the great commission, the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. And I'm probably just speaking that to me about the betrayal thing. To, to the mountain which Jesus appointed for them. How many just love the mountains? I just love, I love Idaho, I love Idaho. But when they saw him, notice they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Interesting. We give Doubting Thomas a hard time, don't we? Doubting Thomas. You know, Doubting Thomas took the gospel to India and shook India for the glory of God. But it's interesting. The Bible said not just Doubting Thomas. Some, some of the, some doubted. 
And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He has enough authority to get you through what you're going through. When you wake up tomorrow, it's going to be okay. Why? Because the Lord was there yesterday. He's with you today. When you wake up, he's going to be with you. He's the one that will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, people hurt us, but God never would. Can you say a good amen? So here's a great commission. I want to make sure that we know this as a church. The Great Commission is not what your real estate agent makes when he or she sells your home. But how many know that's a Great Commission? But that is not the Great Commission. He said to go, he says to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, he says, that I have commanded you. And he gives us this promise, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How many grateful that God is the author and he's the finisher of our faith. So if your story isn't looking good right now, that's okay, because he is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. There's nobody in here that's going through too much pain, too much turmoil, too much loss, that God cannot rewrite a story in your life. Why? Because he's written a new story in my life. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Can you say amen? You are included in God's why. Now I want to I want to close this service uh, in just a few moments by talking to you about a guy by the name of Moses. Would you go to Exodus chapter 4? I want to land by talking about the second most important question that you'll ever be asked. Number one, who is Jesus to you? Is he just a prophet, just somebody that lived 2,000 years ago? No, he's much more than a prophet. He's the sinner's Savior. He's the Redeemer that redeems. He is the Son of Almighty God. Can you scream a great big amen? That's the number one question. Number two, the Lord says this. Now, this very interesting dialogue regarding Moses at the burning bush. And we find the second most important question that will ever be asked. And here it is in verse 1. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice, and suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. Oh, dear ones, you might seem small and insignificant, but it's time to stop making excuses and allow God to touch and change you so that God in you and through you can touch and change your family, your workplace, the place, you, the pew you're sitting on. Listen, he, he says, no, wait, wait, wait. But, but Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they will say, the Lord has not appeared to, to you. So verse 2, so the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Second most important question that you will ever be asked, what is that in your hand? And Moses said, well, it's, it's a rod. It's a, it's a staff. I hear as a pastor too often, well, I'm just a, just a stay-at-home mom. Or I'm just a single parent. Or I'm just, no, listen, it's not about you. It's about God. And what God has placed in your hand is more than enough to make a difference in your life and in the lives of others. It is when you release what God has placed in your hand, God releases what's placed in His hand, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit flows through a believer who goes through life like this. So Moses said, well, well, well it's, a, it's a rod. Very interesting. Is there anybody in here? 
you're like me. I'll tell you my big phobia. I hate snakes. Thank you for the look. Is there anyone else you, I mean, I would rather wrestle a dozen grizzlies than see a snake. Anyone else hate snake? I, uh, so when I see the Lord face to face, I know I'm probably going to be belly up for like a million billion years. I don't know. He's so awesome. The Bible said the planets flee at His presence, but we're going to be with Him forever. Uh, is there anyone else that's going to get the nerve to say, "Lord, you know the ark thing? Um, why the snakes and the mosquitoes? Why'd you let them? Come on, are, are you with me?" So, so Mo, 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 what's what is that in your hand? Well, well, it's a rod. It's a staff. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. All the snake haters, and Amen. Moses, what's in your hand? Just a glorified stick, a staff. And he said, throw it down. And it became a living thing. It's time for what God has placed in our hand to give it back to Him. And what was dead will become living again. Maybe it's a dream that God gave you as a child and you're 50 years old and you thought you missed it and your best day. I hear this from seniors. Well, Pastor, our, our best, now that I am one, um, our, our best days are in the past. It's not about me. No, sir, no, ma'am. It is about you. It's about surrendering, giving back to God what God has placed in your hand. And as you do it, it might be finances. It might be a marriage. It might be children. As you give it back, listen, what was, it, it can become a living thing, a living thing. The key is placing it and giving it to the Lord. When you surrender what's in your hand, God will surrender what's in his hand. Can you say a good amen? Now, the staff represented three things. Number one, would you write this down? The staff represented his identity. He was a shepherd. I'll never forget, I was uh, many, many, many years ago. Um, I was a youth pastor for three years in Arizona. Kelly and I, we backslid and took our first senior pastorate in Parker, Arizona. Is there anyone ever heard of Parker, Arizona? Just right, right down from Lake Havasu. We were there for three years, saw a move of God. Parker is one square mile surrounded by Indian Reservation. And uh, we started with 35 people, and God moved in three years. We built a new 400-seat sanctuary and baptized 800 people in the Colorado River in three years. It was amazing. But there was about 35 people when we first got there. And uh, I was preaching on identity, and I'd only been there maybe three months. I was preaching on identity, and an 85-year-old black man walked up after the service, and he was, he was just crying. He said, Pastor, um, I've never had someone lay their hand on me and tell me who I am. I don't know who I am. He said, I've never had an authority figure say, I love you. I'm proud of you. Would you please lay your hand on my heart, and would you tell me who I am? I'm going, dear Jesus, I got three years of youth pastoring in me, which means I, I can read Scripture. I got a couple of jokes and a couple human videos. Lord, I need your help right now. I'm not so sure I know who I am. And here's a man just weeping in my presence. Please tell me who I am. And don't you know the Lord is so faithful. He'll give you words when you don't know what to say. He'll put his word in you. You'll think of stuff that you read a year ago. And I just begin prophesying over this 85-year-old man's life. And he just began weeping. Listen. You've got to know who you are in Christ. Again, you're not what you're going through. You are a brand new creation in Christ. Can you say a good amen? So listen, you might know who you are, not know who you are today. Listen, the devil will lie to you and say you get your identity from what you've done. But God's truth is you get your identity from what God's done for you. The devil will say you get your identity from what people 
say about you, but God's truth is you get your identity from what God says about you. People may not like you. God thinks you're to die for. You are a child of God. No more negative self-talk, and I'm talking to me. Monty, no more negative self-talk. Do you ever feel like, I'm such a loser. I'm so stupid. Maybe what my critics are saying is right. No, no, no. I am a child of God. I have been born again. I belong to God's family. His spirit is inside of me. I'm marked by the blood of the Lord. Am I going to stumble and make a mistake? Is the Pope Catholic? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, you are a child of God. You are his prized possession. You are the apple of his eye. Do you know who you are? That staff represented his identity. Next, the staff represented his income. All of his assets were tied up in his flock. The Bible said in Proverbs chapter 27, Proverbs chapter 27, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to all of your herds. You need to understand, every single thing that we have came from our Father in heaven. In the book of James, a half-brother of the Lord, the Bible said every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. Everything that we have has come from our Father. And what He has placed in your hand is tied to the why of God. Now, now I, I shared this earlier. Um, there are three Sears brothers. I'm the oldest, Monty, Marty, and Boydie. Is there anyone in the house you got a baby brother? Yeah, uh-huh. uh huh. He came over and visited, stayed with us for three or four days just last week. And we were in the Starbucks drive through, and I was getting my triple grande, 180 degree, well stirred, whole milk mocha. And uh, Boydie said, You know, Monty, I, I've been staying with you, and you know, you've been feeding me pretty good. Why don't, why don't I pay for your mocha? And I said, Boydie, well, thank you. Thank you, younger brother. And we're in the drive through and he gives me a $100 bill. And I try to give it to the barista who gave me my, uh, my triple grande, 180-degree, well-stirred, whole-milk mocha. And I said, here's, here's, and she said, oh, you don't need to pay. Um, the person in front of you paid for your drink. $5.54. I'm going, well, that is so cool. I said, well, ma'am, um, why don't we just keep this thing rolling? I'll pay for the person behind me. It's called pay it forward. And she said, are you sure? It's $24. And I said these words. I said, well, it's not my money. <laughs> and I gave the barista that $100 bill, and she gave us back whatever changed. So it is with our income. It's easy to give someone else's money away. Because it's not my money. It's his. But how often do I say, look at my car. Jump in my truck, and let's go for a drive. I want you to hang out at my house. No, that is not biblical. Biblical is... God is the owner. I am the steward. Hey, want to jump in God's truck? Let's get the lost. Let's get the hurting. Let's get the broken. Let's get the people the other churches aren't going after. Let's get them in God's cars. Let's turn them into ambulance. Get them to the house of God. Let's get to know our neighbors. Let's get to know our neighbors. Open up God's home. It's a different perspective, isn't it? The Bible said in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give away your life you'll find life given back. But not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. Can you say amen? So the, the staff in Moses' life, it represented his identity, who he was, his income. Finally, it represented his influence. 
Influence can be summed up in, uh, leadership can be summed up in one word, influence. Um, is there anyone who rode a horse to church today? No one. No one rode a horse to church today. Um, we drove God's cars and trucks to church today. I ever heard of a guy by the name of Henry Ford? And I quote, if I would have given the people what they were asking for, I would have created faster horses. You see, leadership is taking people from here to there, even when they don't fully get it yet. It's preaching the why, elevating the why above the what and the how. I, I confess to you, I've never said this in, in, in any of the other sermons, but, man, I, I'll read back through some of my old sermons. And I'm going, oh, dear Jesus, forgive me. Sometimes I question the, the what and the how, but listen, the why is intact. God loves people. You and I are a part of God's why. Influence is leading people to where God desires them to be. Influence is giving your life away just like Jesus gave his life away. Influence is living a life worthy to be followed. Influence outlives you. Influence is pouring into the up-and-coming generation. God asked Moses, Moses, what's that in your hand? What if God were to ask you, what is that in your hand? You know, we're called Christians, and that means to be Christ-like, Christ-followers. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful that the Lord, 2,000 years ago, didn't go through life with a clenched fist, but with an open hand. I believe the Lord said, put, put, the, put the nails here, drive them in deep. It's going to cost me everything. I'm going to lay down my life. He said, nobody takes my life from me. I willingly lay it down. And if I lay it down, I have the power to raise it back up. Ain't no devil took his life. He surrendered his life. But I believe he didn't go through life like this. And as a Christian, I don't want to go through life with a clenched fist. I want to go through life with an open hand. I understand it's going to hurt. It's going to cost me something. But Jesus is our model. What is God placed in your hand? We're going to watch a video right now. Do me a favor as we close. Would you place your right hand on your heart? If somehow there was a spiritual stethoscope on your heart, um, 
Whose heart is beating in the chest? Is it yours? Or is it his? I saw that video, and it so captured my heart, because I never want Monty's heart to beat. Because according to the word of God, my heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. I want God's heart to beat in my chest. And when I saw that, I thought, dear Lord, that's the gospel. Almighty God, you sent your son. He died on a cross. He was buried. He raised to life on the third day. He's my savior. It's his heart beats in my chest. Kelly and I, we're nobodies. It is the heart of God that beats a Christian face in. It is the heart of God that loves people regardless of what they're involved in. It is the heart of God that would give our lives away, give our identity, give our influence, give our income away so that people can experience what we have experienced. Our why is of the utmost importance.